You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, I'm Penn. And I'm Kim Holderness. And you've stumbled upon the Holderness Family Podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to download or stream this. It means a whole lot to us. And if you had started this podcast about 30 seconds earlier, you would have heard us fighting about how to start this podcast. Right. So welcome. Well, I mean, was I recording? I feel like we could let them hear that. (laughs) I'm worried that I didn't press record in time. Anyway, so um, listen, we're in for a treat today. And so I've wanted to do... I'm a sports nerd, right? I've wanted to have an athlete or some kind of like sports person on this podcast forever. And I understand that like not everybody is a sports fan. So uh, Kim found me one that is also a motivational speaker. Well, so, so he's yeah. more than that, right? Yeah. He's more than athlete. This is JJ Burden. He's a former NFL player turned motivational speaker. He talks about reaching your potential even and especially when you're the underdog. He also has some amazing insights into marriage, fatherhood. He is raised eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight children. What's up with these big families? We had Charlie a couple of weeks ago. He was like 12 kids. Yes. And so, and, and JJ talks very openly about how those children came into his life, three biological children, five uh, nieces and nephews that he adopted. So uh, he's caught touchdown passes from Joe Montana. Yep. He was one of the smallest players in the NFL. I've got, yeah, I've got, and I've got something for him on that too. 5'10", yeah. 157 pounds, which apparently that seems huge to me, but that's small for NFL. Well, they're like, I'm going to geek out about that a little bit later because if he played right now, he would have 16 touchdowns. We're going to talk about that later just because okay. they've changed the game. Okay. But I'm not going to nerd out about that too much. Anyway, but I have some questions for him on like, you know, on kind of how to reach your potential. We always talk about that. And there is, I mean, there is a little bit of uh, conversation about like how hard you can push to get to where your potential is, especially I want to ask him about Simone Biles. I want to ask him about, you know, about how to balance mental health with peak performance. So I got all kinds of questions for him. Should we just just get right to it? Yeah, he's been listening to us this whole time, which is the best part. (laughs) Hi, JJ. Hey, what's up, Pan? How are you guys doing? Uh, well, thank you for listening to us ramble on. Thank you for listening us to us about fight about how we're going to start this podcast. Right. Um, I felt like we did a good job starting it. <laughs> I, 
JJ, how did you feel about our intro? I've done probably thousands of podcast interviews. That was probably the most unique and special intro See? I kind of witnessed. That is <laughs> that is a backhanded compliment if I've ever heard unique. one. Unique, yes. <laughs> special. Special. Um, well, first of all, there are so many different things we want to talk to you about. But I think top of mind right now as a mom to an athlete, and you, you've, you've raised kids, I'm sure there was some athletes athletics in there too um i am very inspired right now by watching simone biles and i know so is is it how am i getting it into this as a motivational performance coach and an athlete where you were in a field where only six percent of high school seniors go on to play college football you were an underdog and your message has been to like fight dig deep break through and then we have somebody like naomi osaka simone biles saying you know what I need to pump the brakes. I need to step out. Like, this is what's best for me. How do you balance and teach that? Like, when when are the times you do need to keep pushing even though you don't feel like it? And when are the times you need to step out? And how do you know the difference? Well, I think, I think the first thing is that, and most athletes, especially at that level, they have this automatically. Um, and then obviously, younger athletes have to be trained and taught this. But they have to know that, they have to be their most trusted, reliable um, mentor, coach, accountability partner, meaning that they know when they're on and they know when they're off. And and as I look at the situation with Simone, I, I mean, here's a pro. She's performing at the highest level and she recognizes there's a weakness in her game. She recognizes mentally she's not there. So she's kind of throwing out that signal. Hey, guys, I'm not OK. And, and it's between her and our coaches making that decision. But um, that's where just being able to trust your instincts and know, because I know that there were some games where I was on yeah. and there were some games I know there I was off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt a little different, though, because you don't get off days. You got to figure out a way to get it done or you lose your job, you know. So um, so in most cases, it's really having a good support system to to be able to help you coach you through those moments. But athletes, parents, and people, they have to listen to someone when they say, I'm not right. I'm getting the signals here. I need to take a step back. And I'm not an athlete. I am a middle-aged mom. I have trouble knowing when to trust. What's my gut telling me, let's not do this? And what's just my normal anxiety? Anxiety, depression, something that I, I deal with. So do you work with that at all like what is the difference between trusting my gut and what is something like oh wait i'm just scared to do this yeah what i usually tell people to do is like trust your history you know look at your history you know what has your journey been thus far you know how have you responded in these situations in the past did you rise above or did you give up and throw in the towel and, and i'm hoping that we can figure out the pattern that's always caused them to rise above so that they, they know it in some of these situations right now mentally you're just dealing with dealing with some negative thoughts that we can overcome yeah you know but but then there's sometimes when the gut when you know like because there's some days when i know okay i'm not on today mm-hmm. and i have to step away i gotta recharge refocus turn my phone off you know so i think it's through experience you kind of develop the habit and know when you're on and when you're off. I mean, you, it's interesting because I think it always has been a binary thing. It's either rise above or throw in the towel. It's a one or a zero. It doesn't feel binary anymore. 
especially like learning more about athletes and mental health. It's not just these Olympians. It's not Naomi Osaka. Um, DeMar DeRozan's talked about it. Like professionals have spoken more openly about mental health in the last few years. And it didn't used to be that way, JJ. Like you couldn't, I don't think in the nineties when you were running across the middle, catching buddy passes, um, you know, and, and even then, like you would have a concussion back then and you would have to get back out on the court or on the, on the field. Am I wrong? Oh, you're correct. You weren't allowed to show mental weakness, so to speak. You weren't allowed to be afraid or to make up excuses. You had to figure it out and get in there and do your job because there was so much pressure on you to perform, to keep your job. Um, use an example of concussions. I mean, I had, I don't know how many concussions in <laughs> games and there were times when I didn't tell the coaches mm-hmm. because I knew that there was a chance I would lose my job. I wouldn't be able to play. I couldn't take care of my family. So you just had to hide those things. And you just figured out a way to do it. Now, obviously, we're finding out some of the consequences of that today. Right. But I I like that it's coming to the forefront because I saw athletes at the highest level, guys. I saw them mentally check out. And these were the guys you never heard of. They didn't make the team. But because they were struggling up there. So it's nice that people are starting to be or athletes are making everyone more aware of mentally. You know, they have some challenges as well. And I and. Listen, I will. I'm not an athlete. (laughs) I'm not going to perform at the level of Simone Biles ever in my life ever. But I can look back as a new mom. I had my son on December 23rd. I was called into a meeting on December 28th and I went to it. I mean, because I was like, oh, my God, they're going to fire me if I don't go. I'm going to jump in. And you didn't just go to a meeting. You shot a video. Yeah. Like, and, and like five and you're, days like, after. You were still like your parts were. Uh, that's I was the still, wrong term. No, no, no. My, I was <laughs> items had shifted during flight. Right. I was still wearing like those like mesh underwear. It was disgusting. No, he I was, drove you there. He, I remember. He was sitting in the car with the baby so I could like every 45 minutes nurse him. That's what I'm saying. Like it even in the as most just in the last few years, there was this thing like if you don't show up, you're going to get fired. I was definitely dealing with some like postpartum depression anxiety and it was like well that doesn't matter you have to work you have to show up so I love that my kids are getting the message that yes like you perform well you work hard you dig deep but also step like it's okay it's not a one or a zero you can take a break I hope I hope that's I hope that our kids learn that yeah yeah one of the things I I try to teach to individuals is that you're going to have these moments and sometimes it can kind of turn into a pity party and you got to figure it out. Is it, am I just feeling sorry for myself or do I really have something I'm dealing with? And sometimes people are just scared and they're feeling sorry for themselves. And I'll say, you can have your pity party, but don't hang out that party too long because <laughs> if you do, it's hard to leave. Right. Right. You end up staying there too long. And then that really affects you in the long run. And I think that that applies for sure. I mean, we, we definitely got out in the open, like our concerns about mental health, but I mean, it's not like we're going to sit around and do nothing because of all this. We, we actually have like friends that we know who have been so crippled by either anxiety or depression that they couldn't get out of their room. So like that's, that's also an issue, right? I'm, I'm imagining with you as an athlete and also, you know, anyone who is an athlete, uh, rejection, injury, like those sorts of things you learned a lot from on how to get back off the mat. So moving away from 
okay, I don't have a, a major mental health issue. I'm just, I'm just feeling rejected. I'm feeling injured. I'm, there is a setback. What's your message there? My message is always like asking three simple questions. Why did this happen? What can I learn from it? And how can I turn it into an opportunity? And what I try to infuse in people that, yeah, you're going to have these moments in life. And I call, I have this acronym called FASCO, failures, adversities, setbacks, challenges, and obstacles. Okay. When they happen, we have to develop the habit of conquering them. The first way is you have to recognize these are some of your best mentoring moments. These are some of the best moments to learn about yourself and really see how bad you really want it. And so by asking those three questions, there's something you can learn. Okay, why did this happen? You know, if you're being honest, we know why. You know, what can I learn from it? If we're being honest, we should learn something. And then how can I turn it into opportunity? So it's getting them to recommit and uh, take advantage of this setback because every uh, setback is a perfect opportunity for a comeback, right? And it doesn't it suck that in life you don't really learn a lot when you win right away you don't learn a lot when you get the first job you apply yeah. for like it, it does not yeah. suck <laughs> you really what you really want to do is come up just a little bit short but learn a valuable lesson along the way <laughs> even if you're not you know an athlete but as a like i'm a mom raising a daughter who plays tennis competitively and just the nature of it is you have to lose a lot to yeah. learn and you never you don't really learn from those matches you win it's we're, unfortunate we're totally going to use those three questions that makes good sense because and and so jj our our daughter wants to play college tennis i mean her main goal is to play division one which is an insanely difficult thing to do there's only so many people who are at that level but right. the fact that she has that goal is wonderful but we've right. noticed because she's she's gotten into this kind of tournament sphere and it, i'm sure that you're familiar with this not only with you but with your kids where the progression is not linear there's ups and then there's like serious dips until you get to the next up and then serious dips. And during those dips, it's the higher she gets, the more intense the anxiety and the pain and the, you know, all of that pressure comes. And so having those three simple questions are easy. Have you experienced any of that with, with your children or I'm sure with yourself and what's the difference between experiencing at as a, as yourself and experiencing as a parent? Yeah, I think there's there's two dynamics here. I think because I'm wired different. I mean, because you know, you don't make it to the NFL by accident. You know, it's no, like, you got to work. It's you know, what is it? Sixteen hundred ninety-six men are on an NFL roster. So, so I'm a little obviously a different guy, and I have to kind of temper that with my children, you know, and my <laughs> wife too. So I will try to just put those points out there, and 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 pin if I don't see them respond, then I won't. I won't push them too much because I know a lot of this has to be internal. Jesse with your daughter. She wants to go to that level. Great. Let's see if she's willing to commit physically, willing to commit mentally, willing to commit in her preparation. And let's see how she responds to those times when she loses, you know, and if I see my children, they're not responding properly and they're not willing to learn and take that next level. I will back off and I will really back off and let them just kind of go at their own pace because not everyone is meant to play college tennis or be a college pro. So you're looking for those signs to see that, okay, this person has the ability to go all the way or this person, yeah, I don't know. I need to be careful here. Well, we we're have my issue as a mom is I think so she'll lose she'll cry in the car for about 30 seconds and then she's like okay put me put, put me back out I'm, and she had a shoulder injury and i was like no your shoulders hurt 
She's like, nope, I did. No, it doesn't hurt. No, it does. I'm like, no, it's actually hurting. No, you're not playing. And so she gets very, she is, she, if she had a concussion, she wouldn't tell me about it. She had a shoulder injury. She wouldn't admit to it. So she's a little, um, determined is a really nice word for what she has right now. Um, and whereas I am, look, Simone Biles pulled out and she needed to do this for her mental health. Maybe you should take a break and go be a teenager and go to the pool. And she's like, no, I would we, run. We got into this argument about whether or not she should go to a tournament last weekend. One of us wanted to take her. One of us did not want her to go. And <laughs> I did not want her to go. I'm like, you just chill out, go to the pool. Be a, be a kid. And we, you know, well, we did end up listening to her. She wanted to go. She had a great tournament and then she got sick because I was sick and I gave it to her. So not COVID. We had everybody tested. Yeah. Well, JJ's not going to get COVID from us. He's on a zoom call. I know, but like, I mean, I feel, <laughs> why do we hang on JJ? Why do we feel the need to explain to people on well, COVID that we're not well, like on zoom calls that we're not contagious? Well, no, but if you have a cold right now, I just like, I judge everybody who I, has a cold. Yes, it's just funny that we've gotten to the point now where I and I've done this before. I've told people on Zoom calls, "Don't worry, we're good." And I'm like, "What the frick am I doing right now?" That's good. You guys might be the first one that's missed it. It's the truth. So, and then you know, our son, bless, he's 11, and like at at the and he's he's 11, right? So it doesn't matter. Like he wants, he loves to play basketball, but like the moment he has a bad game, he would rather just not keep playing and we're fine with that like basketball does not need to be it can be something fun you do you don't even have to play competitively his team will lose and then he'll just go inside and pout for a while so i'm like that's fine you know what i mean so i'm never going to encourage him to like get i'm like you could practice more but i'm not going to sit there and force him out there we aren't those people that's good that's 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 such good parenting when it comes to raising children who are active in sports because i i've seen just the opposite and yeah. it doesn't work out well. So that's good you're given that being flexible there. What does the opposite look like? Oh my goodness. You give you get, get you stop crying. Get in there and get those 30 shots in, you know, or go study that film or the things that I've seen some parents at very young ages like pushing their children to do athletically. It's just it's just really disappointing because at the end of the day, if it's not in their heart. And if it's not natural, at some point, they're not going to want to do it. And it could be in grade school. It could be junior high. It could be high school. And parents have to be okay with that. And and I think that's what my wife, Rain, and I, we we um, we made a decision early on. We're just going to go with the flow of the children, and we're not going to push them. We're going to let them do what they want to do. And I remember seeing my oldest son, LeJordan Jr., who was playing soccer when he was young. Oh, and he hated it. And I was watching him, and I was like, Okay, we're not going to be pushing <laughs> We're done with that. And yeah. so you, when you graduated high school, you were 5'9 and 133 pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. You did not get a scholarship, but you ended up tra- at tra- a track at Oregon. Yeah. So I didn't get offered a football scholarship. I was the number one wide receiver in the state, but, but I ended up getting a track scholarship. Okay. All right, I'm going to geek out on him now. Okay. Just like you but by can the take, way, you like 5'9 and 133 yeah. pounds, like I, I, I think I weigh 133 you, pounds and I'm 5'4, so I feel right. like that was small. Okay. <laughs> so if you guys aren't football fans, you can check out here for a minute, but I'm just going to explain something because I think this context is important when we're talking to JJ. When he was playing, this was in the 90s, all right? He had Joe Montana throwing him passes. That's good. That's a good quarterback throwing him passes. Um, g- congratulations on that. However, the... The NFL 
looked completely different 30 years ago to the point that if 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 you're JJ and you catch the ball across the middle, they are aiming for the crown of your head. Not just like accidentally hitting it. That's how you're supposed to tackle people is head-to-head combat. Yeah. Okay? So a lot of the wide receivers, by definition, had to be taller just, just so that people wouldn't hit them in the head. That was part of it. The other part was that there was there was a lot of running in the NFL, and then there was passing to the outside, and you could occasionally throw it to a tight end. Offense has have completely changed to the point that there's a new position called an X that everybody has, even in high schools now, and that is a, a smaller, shiftier person who acts as basically a running back who catches passes. There weren't any of these in the NFL. Now every team has one or two of them, a lot of times, like the punt returner. Uh, your old team, the Chiefs, the best wide receiver in the NFL is J.J. Size. His name is Tyreek Hill. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy. Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers. To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. And because of the new rules... How do you know all this? What do you do at night? I had no I idea you knew any of this stuff. I'm impressed. He's impressing me. <laughs> I have no idea so he knew any of this stuff. If, if they had an X position when JJ was there, it was extremely radical. It's now in every offense. So the fact that a five foot ten person played eight seasons and caught 15, 16... Nine seasons. Nine seasons caught double-digit touchdowns in the NFL is completely unheard of. So I just want to make sure that like it's even more impressive than you think it is. So my question to you, JJ, is 
how did you get in the damn NFL as a wide receiver? I do not. It does not compute looking back at those old teams. Well, you know what? It was never planned. It was never a goal. It was never a dream. It just kind of happened. And quick version is, so I was at Oregon on a track scholarship. And and because all the football programs said I was too small, my second year at Oregon, I started secretly watching the football practices because I wanted to know, are these guys that much bigger than me in college? And after a couple of days watching the Oregon practices, I was like, okay, I can do this. Somehow I got to get on the field. So the very next day, I went and stood on the practice field because you're not supposed to be on the practice field, but I figured somebody's going to kick me off and they're going to know why I'm here. So Rich Brooks, the head coach, he sees me, comes all the way down to the field where I was, and he says, you're the track kid. I saw you in the stands. He goes, what are you doing here? I go, coach, I want to play. So we just kind of went back and forth. He's like, you're too small. I said, no, just give me a shot. And I twisted his arm enough that he finally said, okay, I'll check with the track coaches. If they approve it, I'll let you walk on. I'll let you try out. So that fall, I walked on. And, and that's all I wanted to do was just show these guys that I could play. And two weeks later, I made the team. And so I thought, okay, let's be a two-sport athlete at Oregon for four or five years. And that's what I did. But my heart was on track. I qualified for the 1980 Olympic trials in the long jump. Oh, wow. So that was the focus. And then one day out of the blue, I get this call and I'm like, hello. And they go, hey, is JD there? I go, yeah, who is this? This is head coach Marty Schottenheimer. We just drafted you in the NFL draft. I was like, who is this? Are you serious? Wow. You know, because I didn't have great stats. I had one touchdown at Oregon. I had 19 catches my senior year. And, and Penn, you probably know, that's not NFL caliber stats. I mean, unless you're unless you're a big special teams player, or they saw you as a returner. I'm guessing that's what it was, but I don't know. I think I think I think I was this mystery track guy who yeah. could actually catch the ball and had great speed. Can't coach speed. Curiosity, yeah. You know. So anyway, so I get this call and I'm thinking, well, I'm getting ready for nationals. I'm going to NCAs. I'm going to Olympic trials. But let me go to this rookie camp for the Browns next week, just to say I went there and checked it out. So I go the next week to the Browns rookie camp. In the third practice, I tear up my ACL <gasps> ligament in practice. No. <sighs> that sucks. Yeah. And back then, and, and you, the, back then, you couldn't bounce back in six oh, months yeah. with cadavers and stuff, right? Like that was a. Yeah. It was, it was pretty devastating. And, and before I left, Bill Dillinger, the track coach, he goes, hey, you're going to score a lot of points at NCs. Don't do any drills. And I go, Bill, I'll never get hurt at these things, you know? Ooh. So, you know, you, you kind of have this invincibility complex yeah. sometimes as pro athletes. So anyway, so that's what happened. I'm thinking like, well, I can't do track and I got to sit on IR for the Browns for a year. Let's let's see what happens. So that year, that was the turning point because I sat on the bench watching practice, going to meetings, study, evaluating the talent. And at that point was when I had a mind shift and I thought I can play in the NFL. I just got to get healthy and learn how to play at that that level. And that's what happened. And I got cut by the Browns and with the Dallas and then they didn't want to bring me back. But I eventually signed up with the Chiefs and and I just I took it year for year after year after that. But um, the one thing I always teach people in this thing is that, you know, in life, we all have those moments where we can have a breakthrough. And when that knee injury, that was my first serious injury. And I had a I had a decision to make either that could take me out or take me to bigger and better things. And I said, this is going to be my moment. And I put in a lot of work, guys. And never in a million years, I think I'd play nine years and end up in the huddle with Joe Montana. So he could turn out all right. <laughs> I have to say, I'm very impressed by all of the football things that he just said. I'm very impressed. 
I'm very impressed with you, JJ, for having that breakthrough moment. One of the things I'm most impressed with, the fact that you've been married for 30 years. Holy moly. Your high school sweetheart or college sweetheart? College sweetheart, and it's 31 years. Oh, well, and congratulations. I, and, and he shared this with us in the beginning when we were arguing about how to start the show. Um, <laughs> he he is a, I cannot believe this looking at you because you're definitely younger than me. And if you're not, you just look younger than me. You're a granddad. Is that right? Yes, we have our have our first grandchild. She, he's two. Congratulations, um, River, and um, and then we just found out they're pregnant with the second one. So we know number two is coming up soon. Oh wow. my goodness! Okay, so before we get to the kids, so what is we wrote we wrote this whole book on marriage. We did the whole we did all the work. We went to counseling. We've done all the things. But I am fascinated by people who make it work. So what is your um, what's your advice for people? Um, when they're in those valleys of marriage, because we all have them. Oh yeah, we definitely all have them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing I probably, I would share that I think has helped me a lot, is not about me. You know, it's not about me. That's good. It's about her. And it's really focusing on my wife's emotional needs and what she needs. Because for so long when I was in the NFL, it was about me. Our lives revolved around my career. And once that ended, I took it took me some time to figure that out. That it's not about you; it's about her. And I think when couples put the needs of their spouses ahead of their own, I think that's where the magic happens. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just are they willing? Are they committed to do that? You know, making that commitment. And yeah, I tell all the husbands, it's not about you; it's about her. <laughs> you know. How long did it take you to adjust to that after Four after years. your career? Fourteen years. <laughs> wow. I mean, it, it literally took, because we got married in 90, which was my third year. I retired in 97. It was around 2006, Penn, that I finally, because, you know, we were going through that, you know, the peaks and valleys and my career was over. And, you know, you just go through those moments. And I finally just it snapped one day that, dude, it ain't about you anymore. It's about yeah. her. You got to do better and be there for her. Because little things like, the emotional needs, because you know, it takes us a while to figure out that it's not, it's not always physical. It's like, hey, help with the dishes. Help, yeah. You know, it's help clean up. It's it's make things easier for her. So what is that saying? When the wife's happy, everybody. Yeah. Happy or something yeah. Like that. Happy wife, you know? happy life. I, yeah. There you go. It, was there because you, you you remember the year very specifically? Was there like an aha moment? Was there like something that happened? Is why you remember it so, so specifically? Yeah, it was it was that year where it was that year where couples go through that year and they're like, man, are we going to make it? Yeah. You know, is, is this is this that, you know, and I think, you know, because some things are happening and, I, and that's when I think a lot of couples will throw in the towel. But I think one thing Rain and I remembered and I said this, too, because I was raised in an environment where a lot of my uncles and relatives were all divorced. And I, I made a promise to myself that I was going to do whatever I can to stay married. Mm-hmm. you know and that was that year in and kim it was me looking in the mirror i mean i think we both have things to work on but i was looking at myself and i was like dude i had to look in the mirror and say you got to do better you know you you got to do better as a father as a husband and just and be there and that's for me it was just more like i keep saying this but making it about her yeah and i think as a professional athlete and maybe one of the reasons why there's such a high divorce rate Everything always revolves around us. And I understand why, because we're under so much pressure. 
But even when the career is over, it's it's still everyone's like, oh, you're this, you're all oh, you're that. And that can kind of get to your head. At some point, though, the reality has to set in that that career is over now. You know, it's again, it's it's about you and your family and what can you do to contribute to a happy marriage. I, I had a similar realization. And one of the things that helped me get through it was I, at least this is what I believe, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. The, the pen before that realization wasn't necessarily a 100% selfish a-hole. He, was, he believed that it was his responsibility to carry the load and to be the main guy and to be the reason for success and the reason for stability. And I think a lot of men carry that weight. And when you realize that it works much better as a team, um, it works much better as a team. When, when was the moment you realized that, Penn? Uh, it was it was right around. I would say it was it was right around when we started getting counseling. But it was it was right around when um, you were you were having ideas, and I feel like I was shooting them down. And you told me you felt like like I felt like I was shooting your ideas down because I was in my head thinking, no, 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 I got to do this. These are my ideas, and. Um, so around the time I, we like we started doing video stuff and business, I yeah. was like, "Let's, you should quit your job. We should, we should, you know, well, I did have that. our own company." That was like, a great idea, and I did that. I think it was a little bit later on when, um, when you were like you were you were attempting to to do like bigger, grander things that seemed like giant leaps that I didn't know that I would have much control over. And I think I, I remember like there was one December I was like, "I'm just going to say something to you." And I think I said, like, this year, I'm going to be your champion. Like, I'm going to have your back. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was at a restaurant or something. I was like, I'm going to, um, like, I, it's it's time for these things to happen, um, which I don't really even need to say. But I think I had to say it out loud to convince myself to do it. But just before that, I, I felt the need to be the the, you know, creative monetary leadership hub of this family which wasn't great for us because Kim has better ideas than I do. I should just shut up and listen to what she's saying. I'm just going to take that last part and shut up and listen to what she's saying. Just like play that in the loop when, well, I've been working on that. I'm kidding. Like, Hey, I hope you recognize that I've been working on that. No. Yes. Um, and it, it is hard to make some, there are, there are moments when the hardest thing to do is make your partner a priority. Mm-hmm. There are very there are moments when I wake up and I'm like I just want to take care of myself right now and I don't want to bring him coffee and I don't want to. But but those, yeah. When you can acknowledge that and do that, I agree. That is like it's a it's a very hard thing to do to make it about your partner. But it's very. I like what you guys said. I really do because and then and there's probably obviously married couples listening to this because that year, like what you asked, Penn, we had counseling that year. And what you just said, Kim, someone had to bring it to my attention. Mm-hmm. And I resisted at first that I wasn't putting my wife first. I resist, I resist it. And then finally, just one day I was like, you know, but I struggled with the first couple sessions. I was like, no, you know, right. and then finally, finally, I tried to humble myself and say, but that's, I think, when it was real, a turnaround from my standpoint. Right. You know, so. Counseling is great. We, we can't say enough about it. Um, the, the best thing our counselor ever told us was that your most important job in life is to be the audience to your loved one's story. 
to be their hype man, to be their hype person. So it sounds like you came to that same realization. And look at us. We're all still married. We're all still yeah. married. We're all still married. Okay. I know, I know your time is valuable, I but I do need to acknowledge also um, you are a recent, very recent empty nester, but you've had eight, eight children that you've helped raise. Well, I'm doing the math. You had to get started early. Well, <laughs> so, um, so, so talk you. to us. So you are three biological children, but you're five nieces and nephews. Um, and t- tell us like, dang, what, what is your advice? I mean, here you are, this former pro athlete, this motivational speaker, but dang, there's gotta been some, had to have been some days with those kids. Oh yeah. Because this was all unexpected. You know, we we had a little perfect family of five, our three children, and everything's going good. And all of a sudden, you get a call from your nephew in Oklahoma that there's some problems. And, you know, 24 hours later, I fly out to Tulsa. And then 24 hours later after that, I'm in a courthouse. And the judge is like, we're going to take your five nieces and nephews and place them in five separate foster homes. You're the next of kin. What would you like to do? I mean, you want to talk about gut check. I mean, you want to talk about just, oh, my goodness. But I'm... Like any smart husband, I was like, Judge, let me call my wife first because this is, you know. And, but what's cool is I called my wife from the courthouse and five minutes later, we just said, you know, she's like, of course, did you really sleep at night knowing you could have made a difference? And so we, we made that decision and it had its challenges when you're trying to mesh families like that. And the children were a variety of ages, but it took a lot of work. But yeah, we definitely had some wall kicking moments, but it, we came out, it came out all right, though. I bet. I bet you could give a lot of, of advice to blended families. Oh, yeah. Yes, I could. First mistake we made was when we brought the five nieces and nephew home, we moved everybody around the rooms. And we first had my two boys and then my daughter moved to our room. And then we took the nieces and nephews and they were in the same room. And we saw for like six, seven months that just that dynamic was not happening. You said we're one big family but everybody's kind of split up. And then we finally, when we moved to Arizona, we said, okay, let's change this up. And then we had the, you know, the nieces with my daughter and then my sons kind of with the nephews. And that's, I think was when our family really started to flourish because I felt they finally believed they were truly part of our family. JJ, uh, now that we're friends, um, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to let you go. Your time I know is valuable. We have learned a ton today. Now that we're friends, I'm going to tell you, I am so happy at how sharp you are right now. And I'm not, I'm saying this because it's been 25, 30 years since you're playing the NFL. You're obviously taking care of yourself. Um, the CTE thing scares the crap out of me for people who used to be in there, but it appears to ha- like not, not be affecting you. Um, because you are sharp as attack. And I, I did a, I did a news story on it and I met a bunch of people who had been out of the league for about as long as you have. And it was a different story. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I will tell you, I, I have been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, but apparently the doctor said, I I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm not in that high percentile, but yeah. You know, Doesn't that scare you? It does. It really does. It just, yeah. You know, but you're doing amazing things and amazing things. As a husband and as a father, I feel like we could have a whole separate podcast about blending a family. And I, I, do, I do have to ask, my next question was going to be, okay, eight kids. Do they listen to your motivation? <laughs> your, do they watch your speeches? <laughs> do they listen to you? <laughs> well, my, my children, they used to tease me because they would hear me share things that they heard me say on keynotes. And like, yeah, he's 
presenting to us and then they laugh at me because they see me in the corner <laughs> talking to myself. That was the big joke in the family is I would be presenting to myself, talking to myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, what's interesting, what's happening right now, like any parent knows, they didn't really listen. I mean, they listened to some degree, but a lot of them are now in their 20s and now they're all saying, oh, my goodness. Now I see why you were telling us this. Now I see why you and mom yeah. were saying that. Now they're seeing the value of what we were sharing. But that's probably happens to every parent, you know? No. Well, our son's 11 and he wants to learn how to edit. And his 10-year-old cousin is teaching him how to use his like, app to edit. I'm like, your dad is a professional <laughs> editor. He's like, no, 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 no. Cade knows better. And I'm like, he's no. 10. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know better. Yeah, so I, I hear you. I was just wondering. I'm like, oh, maybe his kids are different than ours. No, no. they're not. I Which think actually, it's universal. It, it actually makes me feel better <laughs> universally kids reject everything we say okay good to know well i i do thank you thank you for listening to us fight in the beginning of this uh thank you for sharing um just all your wisdom and all you've learned where can people find you that would be on my website jjverding.com.com and um you know from finding out about my speaking or motivational content or even my book too and and I'm all over social media. I'm very active on social media. I love to engage with others as well. So yeah, definitely follow me and send a, send a quick direct hello. That's okay. Burden, B-I-R-D-E-N. E-N. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link to all of that as well. So thank you, JJ. Yeah, and hey, let me just say this and thank you to you as well. I really, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate the fun, positive content you guys share because we need a lot of that because there's there's some crazy stuff on social media, but it's nice to know when I go to your pages, I'm going to smile. Uh, you make Thank me feel you so good. much. And Thank while you're you. talking about positive stuff, what's the name of the TikTok role we need JJ to get onto? Oh, with the rugby player? She's, it's, it's the best part of the Olympics right now. She I is mean, a rugby player and she is hysterical and she's been TikToking throughout. Uh, uh, Alona Mayer. And Alona I-L- Mayer. I-L-O-N-A-M-A-H-E-R. Anyway, she's tick. And anyway, yeah, you got to check her out. And yeah, she, yeah, and she's a beast. Anyway, um, you're the best. I'm so glad we got to connect because I have yeah. been following you on social media. So it's nice to like hear your voice and have a conversation. And so when all this um, pandemic is stuff is over, um, I'd love to be able to hang out. Yeah, and my wife says hello, and she said she's working up. So she said, "Tell them I'm one of their biggest fans." Oh, that's so I love sweet. Your wife, I love your wife. Um, okay. Thank you so much, and thanks for Thank putting you. up with our technical issues. Okay, right. have a good, good day. day. All right, I'm gonna bye. Hit stop here. You're gonna hit stop. Hitting stop. Hitting stop. Oh, wait, it wasn't recording. He's kidding. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.